All right, everyone. Hello, it's the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast, your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. I'm Robert Winfrey. I'm your host. I uh, got to eat a little bit of crow this week. <laughs> Just a little bit. Uh, I erroneously assumed that there was going to be an event on Saturday, the event uh, that I loosely previewed last time, without double-checking, but it turns out that, uh, you know, May 29th was the one Saturday of the quarter that the UFC took off. So I'll give you a preview of that here, uh, maybe a little bit more in-depth, talk some news of the week such as it was. There was a couple of things worth talking about in the combat sports space. And then we'll go ahead and get out of here. So I don't anticipate a very long podcast this time. So in honor of that, please, you listening, like, comment, subscribe, share. That's really all you can do, and I really would appreciate it. I know there are people who listen to this. Not a tremendous amount, but I know there are people who listen. Please, whatever your podcast platform of choice, interact with the product. Whether that's a star rating review, uh, a star rating a written review if that's potentially relevant, a comment on whatever the episode happens to be, and really sharing is kind of the biggest thing you can do. Tell other people that you like the show uh, on whatever your, sh- your social media platform of choice happens to be, or multiples if that's what you do. I don't care, I don't judge. Well, not about that. Other things, yes. So if you would help us out with that, would help the show out a lot, I'd appreciate it greatly. Thank you all very much for that in advance. All right. Let's jump into this. Uh, let's jump in here. UFC on ESPN plus 47. Uh, we have a little bit more clarity. Again, there were a few fights last week that was uh, that had no opponent <laughs> set up. They were you know, looking for replacements. Uh, we also have a little bit more of a finalized bout order. Yeah, a little bit more finalized. So here we go. Such as it is. Your main event is still Jarzinho Rosenstrike and Augusto Sakai. Rosenstrike still has to kind of make good after a dismal performance against Cyril Gaon. Sakai's been a little bit up and down. He's coming off of that loss, I believe, yeah, when Alistair Overeem. That was his first loss in the UFC. When Overeem battered him for four rounds and then 30 seconds into the fifth, stopped him. And so both guys coming off main event losses. But the UFC has to keep the machinery turning. And there's... I know which fight I would have put as the main event. It wouldn't have been this one. But I'm not going to complain too heavily about it. Uh, this is not a terribly deep card in that respect. Uh, Sakai's got some fast hands when he chooses to use them. He just doesn't choose to throw a whole lot, which could be said of Rosenstrike as well. Rosenstrike's a bit more of a diverse striker. He has a kickboxing background. I tend to lean towards Rosenstrike here. The man, he really needs a win. He really needs to get back on the horse. Uh, let's see, co-main event, another heavyweight fight, Walt Harris and Marcin Tabora. I'm pretty sure I picked Tabora here, and I stand by that. Won't be shocked either way. And if this were five rounds, I'd pick Tabora in a heartbeat. But Tabora's a durable heavyweight with good heavyweight cardio. Harris kind of struggles down the stretch. So Harris might catch Tabora early, but short of that, I think Tabora probably takes this. Uh, middleweight, Roman Delidze and Loriano Staropoli. Uh, I think I went with Delidze. He's coming off of his first loss. I was stopped by. He lost to Trevin Giles, whereas Staropoli has two losses. He's two and two in the UFC. And those losses aren't to chumps. I'll pick Delidze, but again, that's a pretty close one. Here's the best fight on the card: 
Santiago Ponzinibbio and Miguel Baeza. I think I gushed about this one last time. You have Ponzinibbio, a perpetually unheralded guy at welterweight who was one of the better guys in the world who was kept down due to a little bit of inactivity and the stupidity of the rankings. Coming off of, unfortunately, a loss, he snapped. A, he lost a really long winning streak when he was knocked out by Li Jing Leong, uh, that being January of this year. So he needs to bounce back, and you've got the up-and-coming Miguel Baeza, who's undefeated, 10-0, and 3-0 uh, in the UFC, all three finishes. Baeza looks like he's the real deal. This is a, again, this is the best fight on the card. I lean a little bit Ponzinibbio, but at his age... And in this division, and as good as Baez has looked, I'm not going to put anything... I'm not at all going to be shocked if Baez pulls this one out. If he does, this will be a very, very telling, very significant win for Baez, who... Again, he's looked good, but he's also... But at 10-0, and 0, again, Ponzinibbio represents an incredibly significant step up in opposition. I mean, Baez's last fight was... Who was it? Takashi Sato. Sato's no chump, but he's not at all Ponzinibbio. So, next up, middleweight, Dusko Todorovic and Gregory Rodriguez. I go with Todorovic. Um, yeah, he's Todorovic. Um, this was supposed to be Todorovic against Maki Patolo. Rodriguez stepping in on short notice. I feel okay picking Todorovic here. Is it Todorovic? I forget which way he likes that pronounced. Either way. Going with Todorovic at the moment, because I'm pretty sure that's... I think that's how he prefers it pronounced, so we'll go with that. Uh, Tom Breeze and Antonio Ahoyo. No problem picking Breeze there. Uh, as for the prelims, Montana De La Rosa and Ariane Lipsky. Uh, feel okay picking De La Rosa, but the wheels have come off of that a little bit. If she loses again here, oh boy. Uh, heavyweights, Tanner Bozer and Ilir Latifi. Picked Bozer, but God, who cares? Another really good fight, actually, here at Welterweight, also at Welterweight, Francisco Trinaldo and Muslim Salikov. I like Salikov for this fight, but old man Trinaldo putting it on, people. You know, good for good for Trinaldo, man. He's been around for a while. I think I mentioned that. That dude's been in the UFC since, what, 2012? Yeah, he beat Dayson Heleno, fighting all the way up at middleweight on short notice. And Heleno was supposed to be something. You guys... I don't know how long any of you have been around the sport, but I remember Delson Heleno had a bit of hype coming out of the IFL. The IFL, another thing that a lot of you might not even know existed necessarily, but some talented guys came through that promotion when it was active. Uh, so, yeah, Trinaldo, man, that dude's been in the trenches. Not just the, not just the length, not just the, you know, years. Uh, he debuted... In June of 2012, so he's coming up on nine years in the UFC. That's all been at light. That's almost all been at lightweight. Uh, he's at welterweight for this fight, and again, his debut is at middleweight. And he wins more than he loses, and that's that's a heck of a thing over that period of time. He's got some really good wins too. Needs to be noted. He has some really good wins. Uh, I like Salikov here, but uh, I got a soft spot for Trinaldo. Lightweight, Alon Patrick and Mason Jones. I'm picking Patrick there, man. Patrick was looking like he was going to be something. Again, you guys may not remember this, because ba uh, back in, you know, 2014, he was he was undefeated. Then he got stopped by Maribek Tysimov, which was a big win for Tysimov. 
Then uh, he fought a bit, but he missed a couple of years. He's not been very active, especially recently. Uh, he's again, There was a time when he was a very viable prospect, but that was a few years ago at this point. So uh, if he wants to get back on track, he needs this win. Uh, women's flyweight, Menon Foyo and Marina Hod uh, Moroz, not Rodriguez. I'm okay. I think I picked Moroz in this one, but that's really iffy. Um, Sean Woodson and Yusuf Zalal. I'm picking Zalal, but again, that's someone that the wheels came off of just a little bit, didn't they? Kind of all in a hurry for a guy who looked good. Uh, he looked real good for a while, and then back-to-back -back losses, and he's got again, he's, he's young enough he could easily make the adjustments, but they need to they need to be made. Uh, Claudio Pules and Jordan Levin. I was okay picking Pules. Pules, where's he from? he's Chilean. Peruvian. I'll go with Pues. Uh, yeah, the, the, the double L then makes a difference. Now. I'm going with Pues. And somewhere on the card, Makwan Amir Khani will fight Camuela Kirk. I don't mind picking Amir Khani against... I was probably going to pick Nate Landwehr uh, to beat Amir Khani. Landwehr is a durable guy who's going to be there for three rounds, and that's something that Amir Khani struggled with. But against somebody on short notice, I feel perfectly fine picking Mr. Finland there. So that is uh, such as it is for the moment. UFC on ESPN plus 47. I will have coverage Saturday in the MMA Zone of 411 Mania, so please do stop by and say hello if you are so inclined. I always appreciate it. But we did that fast. Like I said, it's not a terribly compelling card, and I did already kind of have what I wanted, had my you know, thoughts already in order for that one. Alright, moving on, let us jump to some news. Featherweight fight. Uh, Max Holloway will stay busy and will fight uh, fellow contender Yair Rodriguez. Um, that will be on the July 17th event. They will be headlining. So we'll finally, allegedly, get Yair in a five-round fight. Um... I can't complain about this fight in a vacuum because it's a good fight. We've all been kind of dying for Yair to take a step up in competition. I mean, the last time he took a step up, he got smashed by Frankie Edgar. Then, you know, he got the Hail Mary knockout over the Korean zombie, but he was losing that fight. Then when he finally got around to fighting Jeremy Stevens after the eye poke incident in their first fight, he faded so badly in that third round. I mean, so badly. Uh, I honestly would not have hated a 10-8 for Stevens in that in that third round of that fight. I don't think I went that way, and I don't think anyone else did, but boy, if that fight had been five rounds, uh, Yair would have been in serious trouble. Now, then that's just Jeremy Stevens. I don't mean to say that Jeremy Stevens is some chump, but Jeremy Stevens is most certainly not Max Holloway. If your cardio is not in shape for five rounds, you're gonna Max Holloway is going to drown you. Uh, he just is. Yair has a lot of power, especially in his kicks. I just don't see him stopping Max. I mean, Max Holloway is—he's never been stopped with strikes, I seem to recall. Let me double check that because I don't want to speak out of turn. 
But his first loss was in the UFC when he was submitted by uh, Dustin Poirier. Lost a split decision to Dennis Bermudez that he should have won. Lost a unanimous decision to Conor McGregor. Long winning, his ridiculous winning streak to winning the title and defending it twice. Loses to Dustin Poirier up at lightweight. Decision. Beats Frankie Edgar, then loses twice to Volkanovski. Decisions. Yeah, that man has never been stopped with strikes, and he that includes fighting Dustin Poirier at lightweight. Dustin Poirier packs a punch. I'm not saying Yair can't connect with something and potentially hurt Max, but I don't find that terribly likely. And uh, Yair's cardio being what it is and his style being what it is, that's that's a rough fight for Yair Rodriguez. Um, yeah, that that's a really rough fight. Oh, sorry, I, I might have unintentionally insulted Yair there when I mentioned we finally see him over five rounds. He did fight five rounds against Alex Caceres once. It's uh, the other featherweight up-and-comer who's loose information about Zabit here, Zabit Magomed Sharipov. Apparently, his lingering COVID issues are going to cause him to be delayed, uh, returning for maybe a while. He's not coming back until he's until he feels physically ready to, which I don't begrudge him or anyone else doing that, especially if you're recovering from an illness as potentially serious as COVID is. Uh, and COVID, even with its very high survivability rate, all things considered, not and that's not a political statement, that's mathematically accurate. COVID's issue was never its, um, its lethality, it was its uh, transmissibility. It, you can have something with a low mortality rate, but if it effectively transmits to giant segments of the population... You know, 1% of 300 million people is still a lot of people. Uh, and uh, I say 300 million because that's give or take the population of the United States of America. And again, what's 1% of, you know, 1% of 300 million is 3 million. That's a lot of people. Now, it's not, you know, one per, it, it's not quite that bad if we look at the actual numbers. Uh, based on your total death counts, I mean, I don't want to get down into that whole thing. Point being, while COVID may not have the highest mortality rate, there are some people that are that have had some very severe long-term, to the extent that we have long-term in the, after the infection, uh, long-term consequences of that. So how that how that potentially plays out for him remains to be seen. But he's the one that just we can't get to fight five rounds. Yair has once or has once I want to say. In the Stevens fight went the di- oh the the zombie fight went into the fifth, so Rodriguez has fought late. He just he fades, man. He fades hard down the stretch. He's still dangerous, but that's that's an issue, and especially against Max Holloway, that's a fatal issue. If that's a flaw in your game, if you normally fade around the fifth, uh, the way Max makes you fight, you're drowning way sooner than the fifth round. Uh. So I I like Max's chances as I think about that at the moment. Uh, here's kind of my issue with this, and this might seem really uh, weird, but let me let me spell in my thought process here. Boy, do I hate the Ultimate Fighter for stuff just for reasons just like this fight. Um, this shouldn't be that complicated. We should be getting. Uh, what we should be getting. We should be getting Ortega and Volkanovski 
June, early July at the latest, given when they were kind of supposed to fight originally. I mean, they were supposed to fight already, and then, you know, COVID protocols, it kind of, I think it was Volkanovsky who got it, and, you know, he's mentioned it sucks. But, so, assuming he would have been okay physically, that's when we should have got it. If not already, then it should have been rescheduled for something much more timely than the Ultimate Fighter. Because now, it's, we've had to wait for it to film, it's about to start airing, we have to wait for all of it to air, then we have to get to the pay-per-view, then we have to wait to see how lo- how each guy comes out of it, the champion is the only relevant fighter when talking about Max Holloway, and see, uh, it just, it is a pointless logjam to divisions. Max Holloway should not have to fight anyone but the champion after what he did to Calvin Cater. Rewatch that fight if you don't believe me. That's a historic beating. And that is true numerically. That is one of the worst beatings anyone in UFC history has taken. I'm not saying the worst. Numerically, it's the worst. But I think if you wanted to argue long-term consequences, there are other beatings you could argue. That, again, that somewhat remains to be seen with Cater. But that's still historic beating against a guy surging towards the top of that division. And Holloway just abused that man. And instead of getting the next title shot, he now has to fight Yair Rodriguez. Because the title picture is tied up basically for the rest of the year. It's, uh, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I don't like anything about it. And this fight is just kind of emblematic of, or symptomatic, of that problem that I have with the Ultimate Fighter and what it does to divisions. Especially a division like Featherweight. Featherweight does not need this. At all. Featherweight has a lot of contenders. Not the least of which is Max Holloway. You got a, and I know Holloway and Volkanovski for a third time might be a rough sell. Because Volkanovski beat him twice. Whatever you think about the second fight. If you think Max won the first fight, I take serious issue with your scoring. You want to score the second fight for him? Cool. I don't disagree. I don't disagree one iota. I scored it for Volkanovski, and I have every time I've watched it. But that fight swings on a single round, basically. And it was a close enough round that I'm not... It's not a hill I'm going to die on that there's no way Max Holloway could have conceivably won that fight. That's not true. But Volkanovski has beat him twice both times they fought. And that's kind of the long and the short of that. Now, Max is just a good enough fighter to have wrecked the rest of the division. And he's going to kill off another contender here in all probability. You got Rodriguez, who the UFC's been trying to get into the title picture for a while, but for any number of reasons. Some of which were within their control, some of which were not. That's constantly stumbled. Now you're throwing your next potential rising contender. You already did this with Cater which made more sense at the time. Now you're doing it with Yair, and Max is... Again, I fully anticipate Max beating Yair Rodriguez to within an inch of his life and probably stopping him. Because he's Max freaking Holloway. But I... Again, I don't care much for that fight in the, in, mu- in the sense that what it represents. Again, in a vacuum, Max Holloway fighting Yair Rodriguez, who could possibly complain about that in and of itself? And I'm certainly not. But what it means, uh, again, what it represents, uh, I just don't care for it.
Uh, all right, we're going to get some shorter hits here, but let's talk very briefly. Uh, oh, okay, we got something combat sports related. Um, for those of you who watch professional wrestling, and since I cover it, I cannot insult you. I could, but I'm not going to, because, again, I cover professional wrestling uh, three nights a week, more or less. Um, WWE uh, came to a mutual parting of the ways with their most recent higher post-WrestleMania for the for a commentator for the lead commentary role on Monday Night Raw. Um, they they shuffled around bits and pe- they shuffled around personnel. They released they released a couple of people that kind of surprised me. Um, Todd Phillips. They released Samoa Joe, which I thought was just a categorical mistake. Uh, Joe, not only a great announcer, but uh, you know an, an incredible uh, ring talent. Anyway, they brought in um, Adnan Verk, and apparently everyone kind of realized that wasn't that was not a good pairing, wasn't working out. So after about seven weeks, they parted ways with him. The new lead play-by-play person personnel for Monday Night Raw is former Bellator commentator, former UFC commentator, and at this point, I assume former host of a show on Sirius XM Radio, Jimmy Smith. I have no idea how Jimmy Smith is going to mesh with the WWE broadcast style, but I I thought Jimmy Smith was a very capable broadcaster in Bellator. He was a very, very capable broadcaster in the UFC. I was a little bit surprised when he and the UFC kind of parted ways. Uh, that Again, that surprised me a little. Again, it's not him with the UFC necessarily. It was, uh, I, again, who, who you're contracted to and whatnot in that case is a little bit funky. But I was surprised to see him let go from that role. I thought he was very good at it. Uh, I I wish him well, you know, and I hope he does a good job for the product. I don't watch Raw unless I'm covering it because it kind of sucks. Uh, to just kind of throw that out there, the last couple of episodes of Raw that I have covered have been... Uh, one of them was dismal. One of them was just the worst. Just the worst. Um, so... Again, I wish him well. Hope he does a good job. Hope he gets paid. I, I don't have anything bad to say about him, uh, at all. So yeah, that again, combat sports adjacent. Um, slightly more relevant to the UFC. John Jones announced via Twitter that he has retained the services of Richard Schaefer. Now, for those of you who may not know that name, Richard Schaefer is the former CEO of Golden Boy, the boxing promotion. He was largely considered the brains behind uh, the success of Golden Boy. Oscar De La Hoya was kind of the public face and remains so now that those two parted ways. Uh, we'll get, we can get into that a little bit, but Schaefer... Uh, Schaefer kind of made things work. He kept the wheels turning, and then uh, when... When Canelo and Oscar fell out, uh, that was a li- Schaefer uh, was a little bit part of that. And Schaefer wound up... Again, so Schaefer's gone his own way. Oscar's still trying to run Golden Boy. However successful you think that promotion's going at the moment. And after Jorge Linares kind of failed to do a whole lot against Devin Haney for most of their fight on Saturday. Which I provided watch-along material for with Mark Radlich, if you're interested. You can find that over on the W2M network. We... Uh, I don't know. I don't know about the ins and outs of Golden Boy enough, but they're... Eh. It's a little bit dicey, I think, with them at the moment. 
Um, so Schaefer will be in, in some capacity working with John Jones. Um, John and his previous management group, um, what was it, first round management, I think? Don't quote me on that. I apologize if I have that wrong. But that they terminated that relationship a while ago, by like a month or so, I think, somewhere in that range. Um, that, that just wasn't working out anymore. So John with um, new representation, someone who I, I... Dana White spoke fairly positively about Schaefer, actually, when he was asked about it. So we'll see if that potentially is a, is a more profitable avenue for John to get something in the UFC moving forward. But it's, it's something to pay attention to. If, if bigger things start happening for John Jones in the near future, that will be a significant portion of why. All right, last bit of news here before we check Twitter, at least. Um, another bit of boxing news here, but if you guys are not watching or not familiar with the great uh, Nonito Denaire, uh he made history last night when he became, he broke his own record to become the oldest champion at 118 pounds in boxing history. Uh, he stopped... Oh, God, the guy's name escapes me. I'm going to find it. Give me just a second here. Um, it, something French. Nordin Ubali. Ubali, that was it. Yeah, he stopped him in the fourth round. Knocked him out. Uh, to, at 38, become, the, again, the oldest WBC, this would be the oldest bantamweight champion, bantamweight in boxing being 118 pounds ever. Donaire in 2020, 2019, excuse me, in November of 2019, had, for my money, the fight of the year in all of boxing when he lost a decision to Naoya Inoue. And if you're not hip to Inoue, buddy, they don't call that man, even fighting at 118 and whatnot, the monster for nothing. He is a... Inoue will turn your lights out. But uh, Donaire just... Doing what he's doing at his age, at that weight class, is ridiculously impressive. You know, you know, things like speed and reflexes mean so much more at the smaller weight classes. We talk about that. That's true universally in combat sports. Smaller weight, uh, the lighter weight classes, you do not have the same career longevity that people at heavyweight do. You see guys in heavyweight fighting into their 40s. Uh, it's You just don't see that in the lighter weight classes because... Speed and reflex and is everything, because technique is usually there already. And Denner at 38, uh, just again he and he didn't. Uh, that was not a a flash, kind of come from behind against Dubali. He beat he beat him pretty soundly. Uh, again, for as long as that that went 152 into the fourth, Denner beat him I think in every round. Uh, certainly, again, like the last two leading up to the stoppage, he was he was really putting it on Ubali. So uh, just wanted to give some love to the the ageless wonder Nonito Denaire. Uh Heck of a fight, sir. Uh, and congratulations on the off chance anyone in that orbit hears this. Uh, good for him. Heck of a again, it was a heck of a performance. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Uh, you know, the bot. The boxing world doesn't deserve people who are that successful like that, but it gets them on occasion. So good for him. I uh, just wanted to make sure that got a little bit of shine here to the extent that uh, what I talk about matters. 
Alright, let me refresh Twitter, see if anything crazy happened in the combat sports space, and if not, we will go ahead and get into plugs. Alright, nope, nothing crazy, so... Plugs, what did I do this week? I did stuff. Again, I mentioned already, Mark Radlich and I did watch-along commentary for Devin Haney's uh, lightweight title defense against Jorge Linares. Uh, I stepped in for a damn you Hollywood talking about the Amazon Prime movie Without Remorse, where we all kind of agree the movie sucked, and then Mark and I spent a bunch of time debating the relative merits of the Amazon of Amazon putting in a bid to buy MGM. So you can find that uh, with other damn you Hollywoods over in the Rattleton Broadcasting Network under the W2M Network. I... Uh, there was that. There was another damn you Hollywood. Let me have a quick look here. Uh, there was a damn you Hollywood for Army of the Dead. Am I back one? Am I back on the wrong? Yeah, sorry, wrong. Uh, I did. That was two weeks ago. You can listen to that if you're so inclined. Uh, there was a couple of things. Yeah, uh, Mark and I did a TV party for the final season of the Netflix anime series Castlevania. This was season four. You can listen to us talk about that. Uh, there was a, I guested on the Metal Hammer of Doom because in those part because I suggested the album. We covered Jonathan Young and his band, which is really just him, Galacticracken, the first, uh, which is for the record, Galacticracken is like the best name ever. <laughs> that is so good. We covered his album Starship Velociraptor. So if you're so inclined, you can listen to myself, Mark Radlich, and Jesse Starcher talk about music. And so you can find some re-airs. Oh, re-airing earlier today. We have started re-airing my, the old podcast I used to host called Everyone Loves a Bad Guy. Um, this is not the first episode that, in, the, in chronological order for that series, but to be synergistic, gotta hate that word, with uh, other Disney content, we are re-airing this Sunday and next Sunday uh, my two-part look at Disney villains. Part one is everything up through the Disney Golden Age, stopping just before the Disney Renaissance. Part two was Renaissance until the contemporary airing in 2013, so that would have been Frozen, I'm pretty sure. So you can listen to those if you're so inclined. Uh, I I liked do, hosting that show a lot. I did it until it was time not to do it, as the phrase goes, but I have very fond memories of that show and occasionally debate bringing it back in some capacity. So that's what I've got. This coming week, well, there will be a Damn You Hollywood on Tuesday for Cruella, which is apparently a dumpster fire set to all your favorite songs from the 70s, all of which inevitably cost Disney $200 million to make, which blows my mind. Uh, Wednesday, there will be a Damn You Hollywood for A Quiet Place Part 2. And I think that's it for me this week. Yeah, those two things. So be on the lookout. Saturday, I will have coverage of UFC on ESPN Plus 47, and next Sunday, we will be back here uh, talking about what happened, including, depending on when things air, I'm, I'm not sure the timing on this, but I might be able to review the Floyd Mayweather versus Logan Paul box, uh, exhibition boxing match, because uh, depending on, again, kind of other things allowing... Mark and I will be covering that. We will have some live watch-along stuff for you. So, that's a thought. That is definitely a thought. All right. Um, let me see. Last thing. T 
tomorrow, Monday, is uh, Memorial Day here in the United States. So, uh, just please, everyone, remember, because apparently even the Vice President of the United States is unable to remember what that means. For those of you who don't know, there are three armed services-related holidays here in the United States. Uh, Labor Day, Veterans Day, and Memorial Day. uh, There's enough people in my own country who don't necessarily understand the distinction between the three. Allow me to spell it out. Labor Day is for those currently serving. Veterans Day is for those who have served. Memorial Day is for those who lost their lives in service. So it's a fairly somber holiday. Doesn't mean don't be... Doesn't mean don't gather with friends and family and whatnot as long as you can do so safely. I'm going to. But remember, this is about those who gave their lives. So... Uh, just uh, you know, to everyone who has someone in their life who uh, gave their lives in service, I I don't have any words. What, what am I going to say? I'm nobody. But it, it is a time to remember that. So please do so. And yeah, I will be back here next week per usual. Thank you all very much for tuning in. For sharing this show around, that always helps. I will see you all next time. Until then, stay safe out there, and please continue to be well, be safe, and behave.